Thank you for tuning in to the WAM Podcast, where women empower women in business and manufacturing. Hi, I'm Linda Regano, co-host of the WAM Podcast. It's an honor to introduce you to amazing women who are making a real difference and empowering others around them to reach their potential. With our podcast, you'll hear inspirational stories, personal and professional challenges our guests have overcome, how their backgrounds and values help to shape who they are today, and how they're giving back to their communities, empowering women around the world. And joining me today, I'm delighted to have Christy Knischel, who is president and owner of Knischel Logistics in Gibsonia, Pennsylvania. I had to work on that, make sure I got it right. And as you're about to hear, she is just a fearless leader who grew up, who grew her family business into a major force in the logistics industry. And let me tell you, this is a tough industry for a woman. And she has just risen to the top and has been uh, receiving awards and just has an amazing background. I can't wait. Let's dive right in. And Christy, thank you for joining our show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. So you have, and as I said already, you have a unique background. I mean, you, even, I think you had told me you were running several pizza parlors at one point in your career, but I was hoping that you could tell, tell our listeners about you and what led up to, obviously, the business that you're in today. Yeah, absolutely. So right out of uh, high school, I started actually going to IEP for the first year. I actually had a bad experience there, decided to leave, come home. I actually had been running a couple pizza shops actually for a couple years, even while I was going to school. But then I decided to start at the Art Institute of Pittsburgh as well, while I was still running the pizza shops. One day I talked to my dad about potentially buying one of the pizza shops um, the owner wanted to sell. I knew from working there and running it, he was making roughly $40,000 a year salary. I thought that was great at 19. <laughs> so, <laughs> so at that time, um, that's actually when my father said, you know what, that's not what you want to do. He actually owned a pizza shop bar back in the day in New Jersey. That's where we're from. And honestly, I didn't even know that he did. So he just told me, you know, you have so much more potential to make more money. You're not going to be happy. You'll work nights, weekends. He said, why don't you come work for me? I really didn't even know what my dad did, to be quite honest. I know he had worked for the railroad. He was in the logistics industry, but I really honestly didn't know what that meant. So he explained to me how it all worked, and I thought about it. And then I decided to quit school, actually, and go to work for him. I actually still worked at the pizza shop for about a year, one of them. Actually, my dad kept telling me to quit that job. And I told him, you need to pay me more because I live on my own. So <laughs> yeah, I was, was able to quit within a year. And that's how I started my career in the logistics industry. I love it. I love it. And and I do want to just you know mention for our listeners that you had started out studying fashion marketing and then criminology. Yes. What, so so which, which, would you say that's prepared you for logistics? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, three totally different, diverse um, industries, I guess you could say. Yeah, but obviously you had this entrepreneurial bug from the beginning and was determined to pay your own way. If you could just, in looking back, what were the, the main or core values that your folks instilled in you? Honestly, I think the biggest thing was I wanted to move out when I was 18. I wanted to do my own thing, have my own place. I would say my mom, I think at times, is always questioning me, like, where are you going? Who are you hanging out with? What are you doing? So I just wanted to get out of the house, work. I actually did work release from school in high school, so I could actually leave school early and go to work. So I think I just, at a young age, wanted to be on my own and do my own thing and not really have to answer to anybody. 
that's kind of what started it. And then my dad specifically, he just worked a lot. He worked a lot of hours. He traveled. When I started working for him, I got to see the work ethic that he had and how much time he put into his career and what he was doing. And it just, I think, ignited me to do even more. Yeah. So, so, so in terms of logistics, so you really have worked in every, just every aspect of the business. Yes, absolutely. Obviously that motivated you to join the business, but if you could tell us a little bit more about your experience in the different areas, I know you were in marketing, you were in HR, finance, pricing, what were some of the key takeaways there? So I think for me, when I first came into the company, I was doing intermodal dispatching, which means actually sending the orders to carriers for shipments we were mm-hmm. going to put on the railroad that ships across the country. So that was the main thing that I did for a long time until we started to grow the business. And then obviously, as that grew, then I moved into other areas as long as well as at the same time as we grew, it was doing HR, it was doing, you know, the payroll stuff, it was doing claims on shipments where we had damage, kind of just filling in wherever if someone called off because we were a smaller company, I had to jump into pricing. And I remember my brother even saying at one point, because he was working there at the time, I would ask him, you know, how, what kind of price should I ask for this particular lane? He'd say 900 and I'd go and ask him for 850 and I'd get it. And I'd be so (laughs) excited. Um, I'm like, I did better than what you thought I should, you know? So I just dived into everything I could. Um, You know, my dad actually started taking me on sales calls with him. So I would travel. And at the same time, I was still trying to work with the office and the operations and the background got very involved in the finance, collecting money you know, pretty much every role that we've had here in the truck brokerage, once we opened that, booking some trucks on the LTL side, same thing, learning about that, booking trucks when needed. So it was one of those things when you're smaller, you just got to kind of throw yourself in there. And we had many people that just did whatever Mm -hmm. needed to be done to get the job done. Um, And I think it excited me to be able to find a solution for a customer because it was such a challenging job at times to get freight moved or to win business from a customer. And I just have that, um, uh, what do you call it, Uh, that drive in me that... um, The tenacity, tenacity, perseverance. Yeah, Yeah, the tenacity. Yeah, I'm very competitive. That's the word I'm looking for very competitive. I wanted to be able to be the one who Mm -hmm. won the business, um, who got the best price and and could really say, I've done every role in this company all the way up to the top to now where I understand how everything works. And I feel I get respect from my employees because they know I've been- This is not you inheriting the business in any way at all. Yeah. And and I do want to just note for our listeners that, um, that, that you had founded the company in 2003 with your father and siblings, but that in 2007, you became president. And I believe it was 2009 that you became owner and majority shareholder. Yeah. So just as you mentioned, yeah, 2007 is when I took over the business. My dad started to retire, fall back from the company. He was having some health issues. And that was really my moment, I think, to shine and really show that I could actually do this because he needed Mm -hmm. to step back. And it it just, it really was a blessing to be quite honest, because I think if he didn't have the health issue that he did, I don't know if I would have had that opportunity so soon. And the thing was, it just kind of took off. And in 2009, like you mentioned, that's when my father started gifting us shares in the business. My sister was involved and my brother and myself. So there was three of us and then my father. 
And then 2012, I believe, was the year we first became woman-owned, actually certified. I convinced my father that 2013 was a rough year for us. And if we were woman-owned certified, we would have had a lot more opportunities to potentially go after and maybe wouldn't have had the issues we did in yeah. 2013. That's, no, that's great. And, and just for the, for those listeners who don't understand the um, or don't know the significance of that, why don't you share what what it means that it's not just a certification? Yeah. So being a woman-owned certifi- certified company means that we get an equal opportunity to be able to be invited to RFPs, a bid process for a company where maybe we wouldn't be invited to because of our size or they didn't know who we were, at least gave us the opportunity to compete. It doesn't guarantee that you get anything out of it other than the opportunity. And it's what we do with that opportunity to hopefully build that relationship and be able to be competitive enough to get in the door. And then on the other side of it too, there's also working with the government. The government has been something we have not been able to completely do yet, but I did hire a consultant this year that is working with my marketing team to really dig in and get our hands around how that truly works. And to be quite honest, there's a lot of opportunities for companies like us out there to get additional business because there's a lot of big companies that have a supplier diversity demand or within their organization that they have to give out so much of their business to companies like myself you know, to do their part in this whole piece. So it's truly a whole nother avenue I look at is bringing in additional revenue that we might not have had before. And I will say it hasn't been an easy road at all. It's been a very difficult road. You have to spend a lot of time and energy. And I do have one of my wonderful saleswomen here that's been on staff for a long time, over 10 years. She's worked her way up through the business as well in operations and in sales. And she helps me with a lot of these events and meeting these customers. And it just, after a few years, we've really been able to dig our hands into it a lot more and understand how it works. And it's it's just an opportunity that I feel we need to really yeah, take yeah. advantage and of. And for, for all women that are, you know, where it's a possibility to get more business, it's great. So, and, and obviously all your efforts are, are paying off because I mean, when, when uh, I started to read your list of recognitions and awards, it's like a who's who. From the Pittsburgh Business Times, not not only are you being recognized as, you know, a fast growing business and a business woman first business, but a best place to work, which is really significant because I know your employees are really important to you. You want to maybe share a little bit more about what you've been recognized for and what it means? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, just like you mentioned, best places to work, a lot of awards just with the fastest growing business more recently in Pittsburgh. We won that again this year, 50 fastest growing businesses in Pittsburgh. We just won the 50 smart company or smart business award again Congratulations. as well. Um, and then, thank you. Um, and then they actually have a second award that we had to go in front of judges, the 50 of us. We also won 50 smart business award and we were up for an additional award. Um, there was 50 of us that had to be interviewed by four judges. And I just got word that I am one of the winners out of three of wow. that additional award <laughs> for, yeah, for sustainability. Um, and a couple other things, like one of the biggest awards I've ever won in this industry, I think that solidified that I made it, that I actually am doing something awesome and a part of a movement was winning the Distinguished Women in Logistics Award, which is the first ever award um, oh. that they gave for that. And that was, yes, a couple years ago. Now, last year, I was a finalist for the Influential Woman in Trucking 
This year, I was also a finalist for the Influential Woman in Trucking, and I just got word that I actually won that award as well this year. So that's another huge award in our industry for women and just the movement that I feel is going on within our industry. Talk a little bit more about that movement. I mean, let's just, just talk about, if you could, just what percentage of women are actually in the business and what do you see as the main issue? So I feel this movement is really about women being accepted in the industry, being able to move up within positions and being able to do the same jobs that men have always done. But I can tell you when I started 24 years ago, there was not many women at all. I was the only woman in a room of 100 people at times. And that is something that has changed to this day. Now, sometimes I'm not the only woman in a room of 100 people, but I might be one of five. So that's definitely progress. Yeah, a good bit of progress. As far as percentage wise, I can't tell you, but I know for a fact that it's definitely way up there now. I have a lot of women that are reaching out to me, asking me, you know, how did you? transition your dad out of the business? How did you grow your business to your size? Even someone that's twice my size reached out to me about how I'm doing things. And I said, you know, this is awesome because I I could ask you, how are you doing certain things to grow your company to be double my size? So there's a lot of mentoring that's going on and women actually reaching out where I didn't really have a woman to reach out to. I would say back in the day, you know, maybe the last five or six years has definitely been a lot better and a lot more women in the mix that are running businesses that are owners. And I am finding out there's more women owners out there of like trucking companies and whatnot, but they're not really putting themselves out there. Mm -hmm. So I think part of this movement that I'm talking about that several of us talk about in the industry is just the fact of making it known that we're here and we can do this job just as good as anybody. And don't be afraid to put yourself out there and just do the do what you do best. So having really having a voice is what you're saying. Absolutely, yes. So so let's talk about the industry because it's gone from this very, you know, traditional kind of industry to, you know, this increased presence of digital freight brokers and you know, now it's, you know, truckers working with apps or or seeing the shared, you know, the pilot with Uber. What's your take on the digital freight brokers who are out there and how does that impact you? So there's a lot of talk around that in our industry more recently because of all these these companies popping up, tech companies. I will say that we actually had done a pilot with Uber early on. Really didn't work out so well, say, for the type of brokerage that we are. Brokerage is a smaller piece of what we do here at Kinitial. But it is a mode that we want to continue to grow and become very big. Most companies that do what we do are heavy on the brokerage side and not as heavy on the rail side. So Mm -hmm. that is something that we're looking to do. And there's more companies out there now that I feel that we can utilize some of their services to help us grow as well, even though they go direct with customers. So I think if anything, like our industry is constantly changing and being able to change with it and also welcome competitors as friendly competitors and what can we do to help you and what can you do to help us? There's a lot of that that's going on in the industry that I think is good for all of the companies and brokerages that are out there right now. I mean, you've just come through this or hopefully we're coming through this pandemic. How has it been for your business and and what are the biggest challenges you face today? So initially back in March, we had a pretty big surge of business come through because we do a lot of food products 
Mm -hmm. Uh, We also ship a lot of pallets. So there was a demand, obviously, for that initially when the pandemic first started. April was a month where a lot of companies just kind of tanked. Um, if you weren't shipping toilet paper, <laughs> those type of things, um, you know, we had a lot of businesses that were shut down. We ship retail products. Um, they just couldn't even ship at all. So once that happened, you know, April was just was a really bad month for us. And it kind of sucked because the first quarter of this year was the biggest, best quarter we've ever had in business, period. Wow. Um, so, to, yeah, to go into March the way we did and then hit April, May got a little bit better. June was definitely the demand was starting to come back. Now that the country was starting to open up, we were able to start shipping again. But the problem was the railroads had put away locomotives. They had stacked containers. A lot of capacity went off the street to now everyone was trying to ship three months of product within like right now. Mm -hmm. Um, As soon as they could, it was a rush to get product out to DCs, to stores. So one of the challenges I would say that we had to face was the fact that we did offsite everybody and they were all working from home within a week in March, which was fantastic. We were able to do that, but then you miss out the collaboration, working with everybody within the office, hearing what's going on and everyone had to get to a new normal of communicating differently via zoom, you know, all these different apps and chat functions that we have. I mean, we've had these functions, but we had to use them in different ways. So I think communication was the biggest challenge initially, and then we kind of got through that, and then the productivity was down a little bit. But again, part of that, I think, was just the challenges we were facing with the railroads. I mean, I can tell you right now, things have not gotten better because e-commerce has gone through the roof. With everybody being at home and ordering online, UPS, FedEx, they all Amazon ships with them. They all have priority on the railroads. Um, auto has priority on the railroads. So they all got their stuff taken care of first before any other customers were really getting taken care of. So that was a challenge for us for customers. I mean, they missed out on business for several months and now they're trying to ship all this demand and we just couldn't do it. I mean, there was no companies that could do it. Everybody was in the same boat. So I would say even now going into November, things have been a little bit, I would say easier out of LA market, which is where all the international stuff comes into for the most part which causes a great peak season demand for Christmas and Thanksgiving, all those type of the holiday shipping. But now we're seeing some issues in Northern California where we typically have a rice peak that comes out of there. The new crop comes out, and but you're fighting wine coming out of there right now and some other products. So it's just still a challenge and customers are paying a lot more money to ship freight. I mean, a lot more money. So it's it's really frustrating, I think, because these customers, it's not their fault that the country had to shut down and now they're having to pay for it. And ultimately, it's going to come down to the consumer at the end of the day, mm. you know, at some point. So I would say now we're, we're back to pre-COVID levels with shipping, even though we're not able to capture everything. I mean, we are missing a lot of freight right now because there's just not enough capacity and the capacity that is there is so high. Customers aren't willing to pay for it. And, you know, there's only so much we can do as a company as well, as far as eating, you know, monies when these things happen. And there are times we do that, but to this magnitude, it's very um, interesting to say yeah. that. Yeah, challenging. Absolutely. And, and what's your take, though, on, on companies that have gone down the e-commerce route and may not be going back 
to traditional sales channels of shipping to, you know, to a dealer or to a distributor. Now they're going direct. What does that mean for you? Honestly, it's still a part of the whole supply chain. So it still has to get to a DC or a warehouse somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're still shipping freight that is e-commerce, but in different ways. So like LTL, for example, which is less than truckload, that business is booming right now because of e-commerce. So for example, if you're shipping, you know, toilet paper or whatnot to a facility and they, they want to get that there, we're still shipping these products to certain locations. It's just that UPS, FedEx, those type of companies are getting the bulk of the capacity right now. Uh-huh. We still have the demand there for everything else. And we're still going to be part of all of that. It's just going to be more challenging. I think even going into next year, I mean, I still see this being a challenge into mid of next year to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. So let's talk about challenging, but yet rewarding parts of your job today. What would you say is the most challenging part of it? I think the most challenging is constantly trying to be agile and, you know, really making sure our customer gets the best experience from us, that, you know, best in class service that we want to provide to them when we can't control a whole lot of what's going on. But then when we can come through, I think that's the most rewarding part, being able to help a customer because we've had some significant issues with some you know, bigger customers, even a few months ago, that posed challenges. And then today, I feel like there's some customers now that are rewarding us with additional freight, not just because other companies can't do the job, but I think because they've seen the job we have done and been able to bring scenarios to them or solutions that kind of help fix a problem they didn't know they had. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say that's probably been the most recent challenging, but yet rewarding part of of my job. And something that I'd love to ask all of our guests is, Christy, what's the best advice that you ever got and how did it change you? And, And by the way, it could also be the best advice that you didn't take. (laughs) yeah absolutely i would say the best advice that i ever got was truly to put myself out there take myself out of my comfort zone and stand up for myself and i didn't take that advice initially it took me a while to kind of come out of that shell and do that but once i did then i feel like i became this fearless leader that just didn't stop I just knew that like I could keep going and I was going to get the job done and break through barriers that I felt I couldn't before. I love it. I love it. No, that's that's absolutely it. And and you are. I mean, and not only that, but you're putting yourself out there in an industry that is not easy for women to be in and you're and you're changing that. Absolutely. And and obviously becoming uh, an influencer online as well because I see that you have uh close to uh, 10,000 followers on LinkedIn but you don't see a lot of in this business. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, it's kind of interesting to see all the people that want to see what we're doing or who is this company that I keep seeing out there. And I feel like if we don't do that, we're going to be left in the dust. I want yeah. people to know who we are and what we're doing out there and making a mark. And what can I do to help you? Right. You yeah. know? No, you're absolutely right. So the, they're, you're getting their advice and then uh, giving it as well. It's you're paying it forward. So, so what's, what's the secret? I mean, you've got, you've also got a family, you're running this much more than full-time business. How do you manage it all? What's your secret? 
I don't know that I have a secret, but I will say, I think the drive that I have just tells me that I can do it all. And I make time for family. I make time for business and there's time for both collectively. I started taking my son and my husband on business trips with me this past um, two years that way that they could also see what I'm doing and also get to see the country. And at the same time, they get time with me when I'm done with business and we get to, you know, enjoy our time in other cities around the country, which is awesome. I think that's the biggest thing is being able to make the time for all of it. And then also knowing when you have to put the effort into one or the other specifically and be away from, from the other. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, that's great. No, that's absolutely great. Yeah. I'm a firm believer that you can't, you can't have it all, but, uh, but, but sometimes you can get pretty darn close and it sounds like you're doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Trying my best. That's for sure. So, so let me ask you this then. My, my final question is if you could have a superpower, what would that be? Maybe multiply myself by 50. <laughs> <laughs> is the world ready for that, Christy? <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, definitely probably have, you know, a couple of myself or maybe even a couple of my uh, key people here because when we worked together, when we were a small company and we just had that work ethic, it's hard to find that sometimes in people today, especially the younger generation growing up. Not that you don't find it still, but being able to share with people how important that is. And this is what can happen if you just do that. Yeah, that's terrific. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. We're uh, at the, at the end of our show here, but uh, Christy, thank you so much for sharing your, your journey, your insights, all these wonderful recognitions that are so well-deserved. We, you know, we wish you all the best and, for our listeners, if you want to learn more about Christy and her company, go to their website. Do you want to tell us where to go, Christy? Sure. It's www.kinishalogistics.com. That's K-N-I-C-H-E-L-L-O-G-I-S-T-I-C-S.com. All right. Terrific. All right. Well, we look forward to our next show. Thank you. Stay tuned for more inspiring stories with Empowered Woman. Thank you for joining the WAM podcast, where women empower other women in business and manufacturing. For more shows like this, go to whampodcast.com. That's whampodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.